Lift our hearts to you, Lord. Your grace is sufficient. Let the wind of the Holy Spirit flow from your meeting. Lord, we check our hearts before you. Command everyone's spirit to attention. Receive what the spirit of grace has to say. When I call you answer, you are our loving father. You never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ on that cross. You are holy. We begin to participate in what you're doing, Lord. You call us by name. But you are the name above every name. You are the Lord of Lords and you are the King of Kings. You are Lord over this meeting. Not our will be done, but your will be done. Your kingdom come and your will will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You sing that song again, please. Just as we sing this song again, I just want you to shake off the world, shake off your day, and just touch heaven. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, I thank you tonight our minds are open to the things of the spirit. That the shackles of religion and the shackles of, of the carnal mind will be torn today. That can receive the mind of Christ. When you took the thorns on your head, you broke the curse of the carnal mind that we may have the mind of Christ. We thank you for the curse that was broken. Thank you, Father, for the cross of Calvary. We give, us, we give you our lives to you. We dedicate our lives as a living sacrifice. Have your way, Holy Spirit. You're the great teacher. Speak to our spirit that our soul can be refreshed. We thank you for what you're about to do. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Have a seat. Welcome this Wednesday. Everyone doing good? I don't know what's happened to the weather. Everyone well? Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Tonight, we're going to speak a little bit about the anointed and the appointed. And if anyone's been in the church circles for a while, you probably would have heard this phrase a lot. This guy's anointed and this guy's anointed and appointed and I'm appointed and anointed and and I'm I'm a, I'm appointee with an anointee and and why is my anointing not using cuz no one's appointed me and I missed my appointment and now my anointing's gone <laughs> but you hear a lot of this in the in the church world about the anointing I mean the greatest one ever anointed was Jesus the word Christ Messiah means the anointed one he was anointed the, in, in Luke 4.18. And it's a very common statement that Jesus, if you want to know what Jesus' mission statement was, you know how most companies have a mission statement, what they believe? Jesus said it this way, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight to the blind. To set liberty to those who are oppressed. Isn't it interesting that this is, comes out of Isaiah as well. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Gospel just means good news. Because do you see any bad news there? I don't see any bad news. He's come to preach the good news to the poor. Let me to heal the brokenhearted. We have a world of people who have broken hearts at the moment. Proclaim liberty to the captives, people that are in bondage, sight to the blind, healing, set uh, liberty to those who are oppressed. And it's interesting to know that when Jesus was a, when when Jesus said this, 
he was in the middle of the temple and it was his turn to read the scroll as a rabbi. And in the Jewish temple, they always had one seat empty and no one was allowed to sit on that seat because that was the seat of the coming Messiah. So when Jesus reads this in the temple, he goes, this, is, this has been fulfilled today. And they all looked at him like, what? And he went and sat on that seat, that, which is for the Messiah. Enough to get you murdered right there to a Jewish religious mind. But tonight we're talking about the anointing and the appointment. How you're anointed and how you're appointed. And Jesus said, I'm a man of authority under authority. Remember when the centurion came and said, Lord, my servant is sick. He says, let's go. He goes, no, no, no. I understand authority. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Roman centurion. I'm a man of authority who have people under him as authority. He was under authority in the Roman guard. And he would say, come, come, go, go. So just say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus says, wow, great faith. Isn't it interesting that the woman with the issue of blood who risked her life to come and touch the hem of Jesus' garment, he said to her, your faith. He said to many people, your faith has healed you. He said to the disciples, you have no faith. And yet the two people in the whole Bible, he says, great faith in the whole of Israel have not seen was a Roman centurion and a Syrian Phoenician woman or a Canaanite woman. And they were both outside the covenant. They're both outside the covenant of Israel. They weren't part of the covenant. And yet he, they had great faith. The Roman was actually occupying Israel. He was supposed to be the enemy of Jerusalem, of Israel. He says, great faith. It's interesting that they understood who the anointed one was. They understood who had the power and the authority. And Jesus made it quite clear. And it's interesting to know that the anointing on your life now... People often say this to me, that guy's anointed for this and that guy's anointed for that and that guy's got a great anointing here and that's, it's sort of true but it's not so much true because what we've classified as anointing is gifting. Someone's got a good gift in an area. Someone's a very good speaker or a good preacher or an evangelist or, or whatever and we, we, we sort of think that that's the anointing but no, 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 that's the gift that God's placed on their life but the anointing empowers that gift. Are you with me? But the anointing does not work outside the body. The anointing does not work outside if it's not accountable. You got a lot of people that are, I'm anointed. I had this person come up to me many years ago and she was having major issues. And, and one day she said to me, I'm anointed and appointed. And I just want to go do what God's called me to do. I said, well, have you submitted? Who's the, like, have you, are you accountable to anyone? No, no, God's anointed me and appointed me. So, okay, well, that's great. So was everyone else. <laughs> but what's submission? What do you come under? He goes, what do you mean? I don't get it. I said, well, we've got this theory that the anointing scares the devil. So I'm anointed. The devil won't touch me. You reckon? See, you don't scare the devil. I don't scare the devil. We do not scare the devil. Our anointing does not scare the devil. Christ in us scares the devil. So when we manifest Christ, the devil runs. But he's not going to run because of you and me. But when we take our authority in who Jesus is and the anointing flows through us, then he's scared. Are you with me? I'll explain that. She said to me this, I'm anointed appointed. I said, well, with all due respect, let me give you some word of advice. The anointing on your life is not yours. God gave it by grace. True? The gift on your life is not yours. God gave it to you by his grace. True? The faith that you even walk in is not yours. 
He's the author and the finisher of your faith. True, she goes, yeah. Everything you've got is by grace. True. So yeah, I don't get your point. I said, my point is, the only thing you give back to God is obedience, faith, and character. The faith in him, the obedience to obey him, and have your character in check. When Jesus was uh, talking to his disciples, he goes, I must go. Because the prince of this world has, is coming. He's coming and now has come. But he says, but he hasn't found nothing in me. Jesus goes to them, he's found nothing in me. What does that mean? He didn't say that the devil's got nothing on me because I'm the Messiah, the anointed one. He didn't say because I'm the Alpha and the Omega. He didn't say because I am the beginning and the end, all things are created. He could have said a lot of things, but what he said, he found nothing in me. There was nothing in Jesus' character the devil could touch. And he stood there and said, in my humanity, he still couldn't touch me because there was nothing there he could grab, he could entice. Because the Bible says he was tempted in every way. And I said to this girl, yes, all this anointing doesn't scare the devil. Your character is what God's interested in. And if you don't come under authority, what I mean by authority, come under submission and have accountability, you're a lone ranger and the devil will take you out and wipe you out. I've seen it too many times in my 20 years. And I'm here to encourage you that everyone in this room who calls Jesus Lord, who's baptized in his spirit, has the anointing. You are anointed by the Holy Spirit. Two types of anointing I want to talk about, and then I want to share a story with you. Acts chapter, sorry, 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. I've spoken about this a while back. There's the inward indwelling the anointing inside you, and there's the external anointing. And there's another one that we talk about corporately. But 1 John chapter 2, it says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. And is true. And is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. He's speaking about internal anointing. What he's talking about here is when you were born again. And on Sunday I shared about our freedom in Christ. And I talked about the new nature on the inside of us. The anointing that Christ gave you when you redeemed by his blood, if you've confessed him as Lord, you've been washed by his blood and you put your faith and trust in him, the Holy Spirit ignites your spirit. Your spirit now becomes the nature of Christ. You won't ever be Christ, but you have his nature now. Are you with me? And inside dwells the anointing of the Holy Spirit who becomes your teacher. Now you can discern what's right and what's wrong. It doesn't mean that in that scripture you don't need a teacher. It means that inside is the teacher. So when false doctrine comes or someone tries to entice you, guess what? The internal witness says, something's not right here. I, I don't, this is not sitting right. And you go back to the word. The problem with Christians today, they don't know the word and they fall for every wind and doctrine. Not everything supernatural is from God. That's the biggest mistake the body of Christ has today. They think everything spiritual is God or everything that's love is God. I'm sorry, it's not. We're going to see this in, in a story, sure. But the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, the more familiar you get with the Holy Spirit, the more you get familiar with His voice and you can start listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's your internal dwelling. That's the precious dwelling of the Holy Spirit inside your heart. Because He says, I come and take residence with you. I abide in you. But it comes through His Word. The other anointing that we talk about regularly here is in Acts chapter... Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when happened at Pentecost, Jesus 
kept saying to his disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. But you shall receive power. Everyone say power. The word power in the Greek means dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. You're going to receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, uh, witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is where the corporate anointing, this is where they got baptized to do the fulfill the mandate that Christ has fulfilled, has got for us. Are you with me? So one's internal for your walk, for your, for your growth, for, to conform Christ in you, to build you up on your most holy faith. And one is to empower you to do what God's called you to do. See, people think the anointing is just for the preacher or think the anointing is just for the evangelist or the people doing the work of the You need the anointing of God just to raise your kids today. You need the anointing of God to keep your marriage today. You need the anointing of God to know what to do for the future. But it's not just limited to this church or to any church. It's limited to your whole walk of life. The problem we have today is we walk by feelings and not by faith. <laughs> is that what it says? You walk by feelings and not by faith. Isn't that what it says? That's good. If someone said yes, I thought, wow, what Bible are you reading? 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. But most of us walk by feeling. We don't walk by feeling, we walk by faith. See, sometimes I don't feel saved. Sometimes I don't feel loved. Sometimes I don't feel redeemed. But I don't go by my feelings. If I went by my feelings, hey, it's a big case of bipolar. Thank God I don't go by my feelings. I might hurt your feelings, but I apologize in advance. But feelings don't. Faith gets you everywhere. See, I know by faith that I'm redeemed with the blood. doesn't matter my circumstances. I'm not going by what I see. I'm not going by what I feel because sometimes I feel rotten. Sometimes I'm sick and tired of your phone call. Sometimes I'm not looking at anybody. I'm, I'm joking. I'm not sick and tired of your phone. That's just a joke. Today it was funny. We were driving to work and we saw a girl with a big sticker. Save the environment now. Big sticker, and I wanted to catch up to her and say, Well, start walking, stop driving cars if you want to. But I didn't do that because I'm a Christian. Plus, the traffic was too many cars in front of me, I couldn't catch her. I believe in climate change. Every time I get a bill, the climate changes at home, you know. But we walk by faith and not by sight. We need the anointing of God. Listen to me. The anointing of God isn't to promote your gift. The anointing of God isn't to give you celebrity status. The anointing of God is not for you to fill a nice podcast over the line. Very important. Without the anointing, Jesus himself was anointed. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, or the Spirit, and with power. And he went about doing good, healing those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come up, work through people, um, would strengthen people, but it could never reside in people. It wasn't until Christ went to the cross and paid the penalty for the Holy Spirit to now dwell in people. Jesus was the first one that the Holy Spirit fell on and stayed. Now when Jesus went to the cross, it's interesting here, I've got this down. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. We know when John baptized Jesus, the Holy Spirit came upon him. 
True? And he was led, led to the desert for 40 days for, and fasted and prayed. He was led to the desert to take on Satan. Not a principality, not a demon, Satan himself. And we got this funny idea that he went there, fasted, then the devil showed him three things and he came home. You know, jump off, eat the bread. And the, that was 40 days of torment by the devil. You've got to understand the picture of it. He had him starving because he was fasting. Eat bread. Then he took him to the temple mouth. says, jump off, trying to commit suicide. Then he says, here, worship me. I'll give you all the kingdoms. This is 40 days of anguish. This wasn't just I'm sitting and waiting around for the devil. But he needed the Holy Ghost to help him through it. I got written down here. Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit as Messiah. Messiah went to the cross and died. The Holy, he said, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. Any man being Christ is a new creation. We are baptized into his death. We spoke about that yes on Sunday. So the Holy Spirit baptizes it into his death. Now long, no longer we live, but Christ lives in us. Yeah? So Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was able to die on the cross and release the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit baptizes us into his death so we can go from the children of Adam to the children of God. Now we are children of God by the blood. Are you with me? Now Jesus says, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. So now Holy Spirit baptizes us the Holy Spirit who baptizes us into his power. And now we have the nature and the power of Christ to walk this out on this earth. Can you see the, can you see the divine picture here? Can you see the divine order here? No one can do something without the other. Jesus couldn't do anything until he goes to the Father. He goes, I must go. Why is it? Lord, you just rose from the dead. We actually saw you crucified. You're going to raise from the dead. Hang out with us. No, no, it's better that I go. Why is it better that I go? Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. But when he comes, he's the spirit of truth. and He'll guide you into all truth. He'll give you power like we just read earlier. So now the Holy Spirit empowers us. We're baptizing him. And now the Holy Spirit is forming Christ in us. The internal anointing is to form Christ in us. The external anointing is to outwork Christ's work on our life. Got that picture? Are you with me? Say, I'm anointed. You're anointed to serve Christ. Because you may not be an evangelist, but the Bible says do the work of an evangelist. You might not be a preacher, but the Bible says be the light and shining of the world. Preach the gospel everywhere. Be ready in and out of season. There's so many things that you might not have a position for. You still needed to do it for the war, for the Lord out there. Are you with me? Your job isn't just to sit in that chair and get prayer every week and go home and live a miserable life for six, seven days and come back. And... No, your job is to walk with your head held high on the anointing on the back of what Jesus has done and live your life by faith and not by sight. But it's a dangerous place to have the anointing and abuse it. It's a dangerous place to say, I'm anointed, and then put, your, put, put the cares of this world and the enemy's going to... Let me give you a newsflash. The devil hates your guts. Whether you're in the church or out of it, he hates your guts. And he's been watching mankind for over thousands of years. He knows how man ticks. That's why we, someone said to me, you spend a lot of time on prayer and fasting. You talk a lot about prayer, fasting, and all the ugly things that number wants to talk about. Because God is preparing your heart and your mind and your soul to walk this out. Because I, I rather preach the nice message, make his laugh for two hours, get the Holy Ghost to show up. But when you leave that door, there's nothing, there's no foundation to live by. Because tomorrow he'll poke you, the Holy Ghost, the, the enemy will poke you and stir up stuff that you haven't killed in your life and you go back to square one. People, know, people don't want to die to self. People don't want to surrender their life. People don't want to fast and mortify the deeds of the flesh. We like to arouse the flesh. We want to feel better about ourselves. We want to do all these things. 
Jesus said the opposite. He who comes to me must lose his life. Then he will find his life. So we're going to put the things to death. Because we're going to see you that you can be anointed. You can be appointed. You can have all the revelation you want. And devil's just sitting there going bang, 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 knocking you out every time. Because we're not dead to self. The anointing is not about you. It's about him. We get the benefit. Say amen. Make me feel better. It's interesting to know that the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing inside you breaks yokes of bondage. People like to say, I want to feel the presence of God and I want to feel that all the time. Well, again, we don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. There are times when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you think, wow. I can tell you, if I was sharing this on Sunday, I can tell you a lot of stories about when the Holy Spirit came upon me in different settings, whether it's in the church, at home, and a lot of them were pretty um, weird. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and anoints you to fulfill the mandate on your life, he also comes upon you because he doesn't want you bound. He doesn't want you just to get by. He doesn't want you just to, well, I've just got this issue in my life. Doesn't matter. I'll just carry it all my life. No, 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 no. He wants to kill that. He wants to chop it off your life if you submit to him. See, the anointing breaks the yoke. See, you know how the anointing of the, the priest, the anointing in the Old Testament, the oil was not just to anoint you and say, but it was to anoint you and then empower you. So when the high priests say, Aaron, Moses' brother, he's the first high priest. And everyone from his lineage, all his sons and sons' sons, all that family were priests. When they anointed him with oil, they just poured oil on the head and it ran all the way down. They were baptized in it. They were immersed in oil. And they were set apart. See, when you get anointed, you get set apart for him. And now he says, now, Aaron, you minister into the temple to the, uh, at, at the altar for me. And all your, all your family, they set apart. Once you, he sets you apart, he appoints you. Then he says, there's certain things you can't do anymore because you're called under this anointing. David was anointed king. He, oil was put on him. Now he's empowered to be the king of Israel. But he had to wait. So Samuel appointed him and anointed him as the king. But he had to wait his time. He had to submit under the current king until the right time. The Bible says that Jesus in the fullness of time came. They reckon Paul was a man due at, born out of due season, but he was there. God had placed him to, to, to preach the gospel, but he was a Pharisee of all Pharisees until he got anointed by the Holy Spirit. Then he became a disciple, an apostle. There's a time and place for everything. If you understand who Christ is in you, you understand the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you won't have to struggle in your life every day. You will come under his direct appointment, under his direct anointing, and he'll guide your path. But if you don't understand that, you're going to, you're going to walk around like a, like a fly flying around in void, thinking they're free, but they're not free. I'm going to share this story about Samson. Everyone knows Samson and Delilah? Well, let's look at it in a proper way. Samson was an anointed judge. We'll go to Judges chapter 16. We're going to read this story, not the whole story, but we'll read it to give you a picture. This is a type and shadow of us. When you see this story about Samson and Delilah, it's a type and shadow of the anointing that he had and how he lost it. We're going to see here that we can't take things for granted. Do you remember the devil comes to steal? Kill and destroy. A thief comes to steal, but a robber comes to destroy, steal and destroy. 
He's a thief and a robber because he comes to steal. So this is not going to steal something from you. He's going to try and kill you and destroy you. That's the enemy's job, especially when it comes to the anointing. He's trying to rob you of your place in there. See, he can never steal the anointing off you. You know that? He can't steal your salvation off you. He can't take something that God's given you. Can he? He can't steal something that God's given you. What he can do is rob you of the benefit of what God's given you. He can deceive you. He can pervert what God's given you. If you believe the lie, you get perverted and you can destroy it and quench the fire of the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit because that's all he's got. He's a liar and the father of all lies. That's, the, that's, a, that's a, for sure, that, that's what he wants to do. That's what John 10.10 10 says. But Samuel was anointed, just to give you a background. Samuel, uh, it's not Samuel, Samson was an anointed judge. He was one of the rulers of the tribes. God anointed him from birth to free and help Israel from the Philistines. They were under occupation. Now, Samson was a, a, a Nazarite. Yep, you're going to read it. Eh? Beautiful. A Nazarite. What that means is that he, when you, to become a Nazarite, you make a vow, and the vow is that you become a Nazarite, and there's things you couldn't do. You couldn't drink. You couldn't have any wine of any sort, dairy products. You couldn't touch anything unclean, like a corpse or a dead animal. Um, you couldn't have, um, they grew their hair. They weren't allowed to cut their hair. There were certain things they made a vow to do. Now, Samson's mum was, uh, uh, before she got pregnant, she couldn't have children. So she went to the Lord and, and made a vow and became a Nazarite. So she became a Nazarite and made a pledge to God. And God gave her a son and anointed Samson. That's how she got Samson. So now Samson grows up and now he's a, one of the judges in the tribes. And he's a, one of the rulers. And God said, I anointed him to free Israel. So now he's anointed to do something for God. And he's appointed by God as a judge. Back then there was the leaders of the tribes were judges. Okay. Bit of a backdrop. But there's a problem with Samson. Now, I remember as a kid, because everyone's got this idea of Samson being a big, you know, big, like me, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but believe it by faith. <laughs> but I remember when I was a kid, we used to buy these weights and dumbbells and, that, and they were made, they were, they were imprinted Samson dumbbells and weights. So this idea that Samson was this big, strong man, but he wasn't. It's only when the anointing of God came upon him, he had supernatural strength. And we're going to read this here. Now, Samson's got a problem, but he was, he was anointed to be set apart. But guess what he want? He loved wine and women. That was his problem. The very things he wasn't supposed to touch, guess what? He touched. Now, we're going to read the story. We're going to go through it. If you've never read it before, we're going to see it in a different light. So from verse 1 to 27, I think it is. We'll read it through, and then we'll go through it. Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. 
So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now, please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them, and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought her the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. So, there's a few things that I want to share. One, when she asked you the first time, Samson, and then she said the Philistines are here, wouldn't you get the hint the first time? And then the second time, Josh. But anyway, what, it took four times to realize that this, she's trying to set him up? Anyway, that's my theory. But you've got to understand that Samson, before this, you've got to see the story about Samson. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, the, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. He was walking in a, in a, to a village with his mum and dad, and a little uh, a lion jumps out of the bushes, and, he, and the, Holy, the, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he ripped this thing apart. As if it was a goat. And the way they write it is, uh, look, that's normal to rip a goat in half. I mean, even ripping a goat in half with your bare hands is hard enough. They go, oh, yeah, he ripped it like it was a goat. Like, that's something easy. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. And he go, he killed men with a, with a donkey's skull, a jawbone of a donkey. When the Spirit. So this man, when the Holy Spirit would come upon him, or the Lord's Spirit would come upon him, he had supernatural strength. Now here, Delilah, you got to look at the backdrop here. So he fell in love with Delilah. Delilah was a, a Philistine. He was a Jew. Problem number one. Delilah was in the passage before. We didn't want to read it because of young kids, but she was a <laughs> type of girl, you know? You can study the Hebrew and Greek later. You know, we can find that out. 
But she wasn't, you know, she wasn't like your, your Sunday school teacher girl. She was, <clears throat> anyway, and he took her as a wife. And now she spent all the time trying to find out his power. And he was mocking her and playing games with her. But isn't it interesting that he was anointed and appointed, but he went and fell for things of the world. So you could really say that Jesus was, an, Jesus was anointed and he married us to church, a Gentile bride. He was anointed and took a Gentile bride. But the difference is Jesus married us and then the Holy Spirit conforms us into the image of Jesus. Are you with me? Here, he's under attack. Now, she was pestering him. Another word for pestering is nagging. It's true, that's what it says here in the Strongs and in the Greek. Tammy's not here to prove it, but pestering, nagging him, all over him, wouldn't leave him alone. And I want to break this down for you in, in, in a picture of where we are today. We are anointed. We are the body of Christ, are we not? Does the enemy leave us alone? He's pestering you every day. He's trying to get to you every day. See, we don't walk in fear. We walk in faith. God never gave us a spirit of fear. But you have to understand your enemy, what he's trying to do. Here, the first thing he did wrong was he mocked and played games. He thought that he, the anointing on his life was, was to protect him on all things. Yet he was disobedient. He broke God's law many times. He even, um, if you read early on, everything he wasn't meant to do, he did. And the last thing was now that it, now he's in a place with Delilah and now she's trying to get information about him. Now, it's a bit, like I said, it's, oh, I joked about it, but why would you tell her all these things and then she'd say, the Philistines are here. Wouldn't you click at some point and say, you know what, she's trying to set me up. But isn't that like us sometimes when we go back to the world? The law is a type and shadow of the world. We go back to the world all the time. We get abused, we get tricked, we get all this, but we keep going back. Why? What is the enticement to go back? People say that... Um, haven't you learned your lesson when someone gets tricked all the time or gets abused all the time? See, the anointing on his life was to fulfill the call of God to free Israel. Instead, he's falling in love, uh, free Israel from the Philistines. Now he's falling in love with the Philistines. In other words, what does the Bible say in James? He who is a friend of the world is an enemy to God. If you love the world, then you're an enemy to God. And what he's talking about there is, are you in love with the world and the world's systems and the way the world does things? You're an enemy to God. He fell in love with the world. A type and shadow of the world. And now she's tricked him into many different areas. It's interesting to know that Samson, and at that time, she kept coming and coming, and finally he told her the truth. He poured out his heart to her. The Bible says, guard your heart, because out of it comes the issues of life. The Bible says, don't throw pearls to swines. You know, sometimes we pour our heart to the wrong people. Sometimes we, we pour our heart out and people tread on it. Why? Because you give it to the Lord first. You don't give it to people. Mistake number one. We've got to give it to the Lord. He is the one that heals our heart. He is the one that gives us mercy and grace, not man. Curse is the one who trusts in man. See, the anointing on Samson is a type and shadow also of he had, had an anointing and he was appointed. He became disobedient. First step to fall out of God's grace. There's two things that you fall out of God's grace. People say, you can never fall out of God's grace. Yes, you can. The Bible says, go back under the law and you're disobedient to what God's given you. You go back under the law trying to find salvation through the law and disobedient to what Christ has called you to. 
There's two things. Samson, but the other thing he did was, this is very interesting when you see this. Samson laid his head, the Bible says, can we go back to verse, when he laid his head, Yeah, that's the one. Uh, that's it. Leave it there. Samson now, he's opened his heart. Samson now, he's given that place of his heart that belongs to God, to the enemy. What's the rabbit been on last five years? What's it been on? The heart. Where your heart, where your, wherever your heart is, is where your treasure is. Hear me by the Holy Spirit now. He wants your heart. He wants to take your mind. Then he's got you. Because the problem we have here today is that if the enemy can get in there, he takes the rightful place of where Jesus belongs. It becomes an idol. Here, he shares his heart. So she lured him. We don't know if she drugged him or anything because he just seems to just fall. But she lured him to sleep on her knees. Isn't it interesting that the last strength he had was his hair. Now, what happens was they didn't cut their hair, but they grew locks at the end, seven locks at the end. Let me tell you something. His strength was not in his hair. His strength was in his obedience to God. But when he had touched wine and ate things he shouldn't have ate and married he shouldn't marry, guess what happened? His head, that was the last thing left. And he put his head on her lap. In other words, he went to sleep on her lap. You know, that's a picture of, what does your head represent? Headship. True? Your head is where your mind is. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ. As a man think he is, so he is in this world. You know what he did? He took his headship and laid it on the lap of the flesh. Her knees represent the flesh, the world. He laid on her lap. He gave up authority. He gave up his dominion and laid it in the lap of the flesh. And she, they came and cut, he shaved his head, he woke up and his power got. This is the saddest thing. When that happened, and she said, the Philistines are here. He goes, don't worry, I'll do what I always do. But he did not realize the Holy Spirit had left him by then. Isn't a sad place to be when the presence of God leaves you? This is Old Testament. But I want you to understand something. When the Holy Spirit's with you, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. But if you are disobedient and you don't give him his rightful place, guess what? He can quench the, and it feels like the Holy Spirit's no longer with you. Here, he lost his anointing. Quite clearly. When you lay your head in the lap of the world or the lap of the flesh, guess what? You become like the enemy himself. You lose all sight of the reality. Look what it says here. And I don't know if you've got it up there. Look what happens after this. Verse 21. Then the Philistines took him. After they cut his hair, he had no more. The Holy Spirit had left him. He's like any other man now. Now look what he says. Then the Philistines took him and put his eyes, put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. And they bound him with a bronze fetter and they be, he became a grinder in the prison. So what they did, they put a hot iron and poked his eyes out, singed his eyeballs out, no longer can see. Then they tied him to a, a mill. Then all he had to do was walk all day and what it would do, it would grind the grain for food for the Philistines. What's the Bible says? Whatever you are slave to, it becomes your master. He was a slave to his sin. 
He was a slave. He wanted the wine. He wanted the women. He wanted all that. Guess what he happened to it? He got what he wanted. He became a slave to that very sin. And now he's a slave to them. You know what the sad thing is? When the enemy comes to try and rob you of anointing, he blocks your eyes so you can no longer see. What did he do here? What a, what a prophetic picture. Hot iron. The Bible says when you sin, you see your conscience like a hot iron. They poke his eyes out. Now he's in prison, going around in circles, grinding food in the prison for them so they can get stronger. He was anointed and appointed to free Israel. And now he's in slavery because of his disobedience. Because of the things of the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, everything that we've been talking about. And now he's, you can say this, now he's blind, but to Christians that you become spiritually blind. You no longer see truth. You no longer hear truth. You no longer can feel the truth because you're seduced. Who hasn't been under attack like that before? You put yourself in that position. I've been there under attack. You don't know what you believe anymore. Why? Because you put yourself, but when you come under authority, if he stayed under the authority of the Lord, he wouldn't have got to that place, would he? If he stayed under the directions of the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't have got to that place, did he? Or what directions were they? Stay away from that. But he didn't. Look at this. Then they, look what happens here. Verse 28, it says, Then Samson called the Lord, uh, Samson, we'll jump down to 28. By this time, he's in jail. Was it nine years or something? Anyway, they were, they were rejoicing, the Philistines, and they were giving offerings to the dang, uh, their god, Dagon. That's a story in itself. The Dagon god. And they're saying, we've delivered our enemy, Samson, to us. And they're praising God, their God, and say, our God's greater than his God, and all this. So now they want to make a public spectacle of him. So what, the, what did we say a couple of weeks ago? When an enemy triumphs over another enemy, they make a public spectacle, they bring him and parade him. Remember when Jesus went and said, he made a public spectacle of the enemy? Well, this is what they're going to do to him. They said, bring him out, and we give him some, let him perform for us. Let's make a public spectacle of him. So a young man takes him out by the hand because he can no longer see. And now he tells him to put me between, put me in the temple. So he walked into their temple and apparently he just put my hands on the pillars. He couldn't see. So the kid put his hand in here. So the pillars that hold up the whole structure of the temple. Now verse, we'll pick it up from verse 28. It says, and then Samson called to the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just once, O oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on the right and the other on the left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell, uh, the te the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at that death were more than he killed when he, when he was alive. He fulfilled his mandate, but it cost him his life. He killed his enemies. But if you read before that, there was 3,000 in that temple. Lords and men, 3,000. So when the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this, he says, he came, he failed, but he repented. He said, Lord, just this one time, I'm sorry. And he pulled the temples and the whole building came down. 3,000 died that day. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, 3,000 should have got saved that day. What happened at Pentecost? Come on. 
Bible scholars, what happened at Pentecost? When Peter stood up at the temple and preached. And he preached that when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And he anointed him. What happened, guys? How many Jews came to the Lord that day? 3,000. Instead of 3,000 getting saved, 3,000 died. He says here that he had killed more Philistines in his death than when he was alive. The Bible talks about him in, the, in Ephesians where he was a, he's a, one of the faithful men. See, one of the things that Samson did was he always walked by faith, not by feelings. No matter what happened, even when he was in error, even when he shouldn't have done things he shouldn't have done, he stood it up and the spirit would move on him up until the last part of his disobedience. He got up to fight him and goes, I've got no more power. What happened? He left him. See, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes with a rushing wind. Who remembers that in Pentecost? There's a sound like a rushing wind. See, the Holy Spirit will always enter you with a rushing wind, but he will leave very quietly and you don't know. You could be standing there going, what's, what's going on in my world? What's going on with my life? And God's asked you to separate yourself, but you haven't. God said, give up some things in your life because the future is brighter if you do this now. See, but we want to know what's going on over there, but we want to bring our, our world with us. And God's saying, chop it off so I can take you to your destiny. So you are all anointed and you are all appointed. But the, the issue is, it's not about, am I anointed? Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? Of course you do. Do you have the Word in you? Of course you do. But the, the question is, is, is it under submission under Christ? Is it God's way or is it your way? See, I got touched by the Lord 20 years ago. And I knew I was going to be a preacher and I didn't know how to read. But I knew I was going to preach. I don't know how I knew, but it was in my spirit. But I understood enough to know that I'm not stepping out. And I tried to step out many times out of to jump the gun and do things before my time. But I thank God I had mentors and elders that kept me in line. Ones that would be nice to me, ones that would kick me up the backside, but they kept me in order. Why? They protected me because they had gone before me. And even though my anointing might have been greater, or maybe I was going to do a lot more. Man, I've done things that my mentors have never done, but it doesn't make me better than them. It just they prepared me because I was willing to be submitted under their authority and under their accountability. Imagine, let me ask you a question. Imagine, and you don't have to imagine, it's happening. Imagine the kids not obeying their parents and telling the parents what to do. And running, doing what they want to do. Who's been there? And then you find lawlessness running your amok when the kids tell the parents what to do. And there's no boundaries, there's no honor, and there's no respect. If that is the result of families, how much more in the kingdom of God, people? How much more when we want to do things our way? Uh, I remember once preaching and I'm sitting in the back, it was just a home group. And one of the young guys that was in the group brought this friend, and I thought he was his friend. And, and it just took my, just something wasn't right about this guy. But I didn't say nothing at the time because you get every walk of life. Anyway, after it, he left. And this young guy says to me, okay, who's your mate? He goes, oh, I'm doing a course with him. Oh, that's nice. He goes, um, is this the first time here? He goes, yeah. He shows me his phone. He goes, look what he said during the worship. And he shows me, and I'm reading this prophecy that he gave him. Oh, very nice. Prophecy went for 25 minutes. I'm going, you got all that during worship? He goes, yeah, yeah. I said, what church does he go to? He's, oh, he goes to this church, that church. He named 15 churches. I went, oh, okay. Didn't think much of it. I said, yeah, well, just be careful of him. So I think he's got hidden motives, but I, you know, I don't want to put anyone down. He goes, no, he's good. And he started telling me, rattling off what he does or who he knew. He's, oh, and then he says to me, oh, by the way, he reckons your sermon was okay. All right, well, 
And he goes, yeah, he says, you're not a very trained, you're not trained speaker, you're not very eloquent, but he goes, it was okay, but he loved the worship. The worship was the CDs on the TV, by the way. I said, that's fine. I said, well, he's got one thing right. Goes, I'm not trained. I'm not trained. I'm not eloquent speaker. I'm not. I said, but be careful of him. Now, what I saw, I didn't want to say, but I left it. So I went to the other brother who's got more of a stronger relationship with him. I said, the guy's trying to pick him up. He's gay and he's trying to seduce him. I said, just be careful. He goes, that's what I picked up too. So we left it at that. So he told him, he goes, nah, you guys are wrong. You're all over the top. Ah. He's upset because he doesn't like his preaching. That's what he said. So I don't care what he thinks about my preaching. A week later, he goes, oh my God, you should see what he done to me. I said, we warned you. And exactly what we said happened. Now, we're not saying that the bloke's evil and he's not going to heaven. But what I'm saying is that he would not submit unto authority. In other words, he ignored what we the warning. And next thing you know, he was freaking out, going, this guy's got a hidden agenda. So the, the, even the, the prophecy he gave, he was a, full of manipulation and control. And thank God that we are shepherds because we have the main shepherd, yeah? And he has under shepherds, pastors, apostles, prophets. Why? We are under his control to help the sheep so they don't scatter. Any other way, the enemy will pick you out. Any other way. And God's called you and appointed you and anointed you. But what are you willing to give him? My question is, I don't know if that guy, I don't know what this is right. Uh, a worship leader from another church came out and said, oh, I don't know if this is right and this is wrong. I go, read your Bible. I don't care you can sing good songs. Read your Bible. What does the Bible say? The first question you, you said is in the first chapter of, of Romans. Just read Romans. Oh, I don't know about that. What do you mean you don't know about that? So they promote them in, they're called anointed. No, they're just good singers. They're not anointed. See, the question is that you have the Word of God and you have the Spirit of God. And they bring life together. It's not that hard. But the problem is, we're going to do it our way. Nah, I just want to do it my way. Okay. If it's not here, find someone that will speak into your life. But do not float. Do not float. We're coming into a time now where God's separating the goats from the sheep. And, I pray, and all the goats and the sheep are at the same pen at the moment. And God's going to separate them very soon. And he doesn't separate them because you come here, you get. No, you get separated from what, you're, what you believe. It's according to your faith according to what God's given you. See, I owe Jesus my life. And whatever he, whatever he asks me to do, I will do. I don't just say that. Oh, would you let go of this? Mate, I have let go of this. Would you, I have, listen, I'm not where I wanted to be. Not where I want to be. But hey, I'm on that journey just like you. But you have to understand you are anointed. And you are appointed. Submit to one another. Submit to him. And I'll tell you, your future is bright. Amen? Because if you don't, and you put your head, the mindset into the lap of the flesh of the world, guess what? You go blind. You lose power. It's interesting here. You've got this idea that his hair grew back, so he got his power back. No, no. That's a figure of speech. Who's the hairdresser here? How long would it take for hair to grow back if you've cut it and it's long? Well, who's on steroids over here? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Six months? How come all the bald people are answering? I don't want anyone wants bald to answer. If it's long? Ten years, six months, two years, someone's got peptides over here, I don't know. But anyway, 
I'm not talking about going to Turkey and getting implants. You know, that's 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 cop out. So if anyone's had any, oh my, well, sorry, I don't. I don't. So I said something about vegans once, they never came back. I didn't mean to come back. But the Bible says kill and eat. How do you kill a cabbage? I mean, anyway, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. What six months a year? If you had your hair grown long, ten years, could I hear twenty? Make it sound better. Make it thirty. I think it's nine years. Whatever it is, the the the, the picture here. Listen to me. The hair isn't his power. It's whatever, however long it took to grow back is the time he spent grinding the mill in a prison, and his heart was broken to come to repentance. Some people go around the mountain before they come to repentance. Why do you need to go around? Why do you need to go? You know, the Bible says a dog goes back to, even a dog doesn't go back to his vomit. Some people go back to their vomit. Why would you go back? When you've tasted the Lord, He is good. Why do you go back to that old life? The Lord is so good, man. Don't put your head. You know what? He, he, he put his head on her lap. In other words, he laid down and gave up his authority. What did Jesus say? Dorian reminded me just before. Foxes have holes. What did Jesus say? Foxes have holes and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You know what he was saying? I'm not laying my headship on the world. I'm not laying my headship in the carnal mind or in the flesh of the world. I'm laying my head on the body of Christ. I want to lay my headship on someone because I have nowhere to lay it. But I will lay it one day when I rise from the dead and I have a body of believers. We are the body of Christ and he's our head. Amen? That way we can see right, we can hear right, and we can feel right. See, we walk by faith and not by sight. Jesus is anointed, and he's anointed us. Jesus was appointed, and he's appointed us. What are you willing to give him? What are you willing to surrender? Samson cost him his life at the end. It cost Jesus his life. See, those were sacrifices. But the Bible says you offer your body up as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. He wants you to be a living sacrifice. He wants you to be a living. What does that mean? He wants you to, 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 to submit all your instruments to him so he can get the glory and you get the benefit. That's what he wants from us. It's harder to live for Christ than to die for Christ. It's not that. It's harder to live for Christ under Persia. What did, what did Paul say when he got beaten and he went to the... He goes, I'd rather go there, but I'll have a purpose and plan here. To be absent of body is to be present with the Lord. He just wanted to be with the Lord. He goes, and the, the suffering I have now is for a reason, but I'm going to go for everything he wants and then I'll go back to him. In other words, he tasted of the heavenly good. He goes, I'd, I'd rather be there, but I've got a job to do here. And no matter what happens to me now, it's the, I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice. Because God's counting on you and me to bring in our sheep, to bring him home, our brothers and sisters that are away from the Lord. Does that make sense? You can be anointed. Don't hide behind your anointing. Don't hide behind, well, look what the Holy Spirit did for me. Don't hide behind, look at the revelation. That does not impress the devil or God. What impresses God is obedience. What impresses God is love, mercy, and grace. That's what he does. And he's empowered you to overcome. You don't have to stay in that sickness. You don't have to stay in that mindset. You don't have to be a slave. Because the Bible says, whatever you're a slave to, that's your master. And that's what he became. He became a slave. We don't want to be like that, do we? We want to be like that. Because we, the Holy Spirit would come upon him 
Stay and then leave. Come upon him, stay and leave. But guess who we got? We got the Holy Spirit 24-7, amen. If you give yourself over to the Holy Spirit, listen to me. You want to be trained by the Holy Spirit? Give yourself over to the Holy Spirit. He's the most ignored person in the Trinity. We've shut the door on the Holy Spirit. Most churches won't let the Holy Spirit in. Because someone got something wrong. Someone said something wrong. You know, if someone plays Beethoven, can you play Liberace or Beethoven or something? Yeah? And you play it badly. Is it Beethoven's fault? I heard this today, the other day. If you play Ed Sheeran, all right. Let's go a bit closer to home. Um, who do you like listening to? Repent! <laughs> Wiggles? Who are you going to say, Michael Jackson? Huh? Let's say you play Michael Jackson's song and you try and sing it. And you sing it terribly. It's not Michael Jackson's fault. If you play Beethoven, it's not Beethoven's fault. So why do you pick on people who claim to be Christians and get things wrong and they say it's Jesus' fault? You know, the whole anointing about deliverance in the church, they threw it out because someone tried to cast out a demon when it wasn't a demon. Or they threw out the prophetic word because someone prophesied he got it wrong. Or they tried to throw out many gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because someone got it wrong. But listen, what did he say to AJ today? He said, a Christianity without the supernatural is a Christianity is superficial. Christianity without the supernatural is Christianity which is superficial. It's not the real deal. You're saved because of the supernatural. You're saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit because of the supernatural. And then we shut the rest of it out because we don't understand it. God's ready to move on this earth. He's ready to get back to the book of Acts. When it won't be about any men, it'll be about the body of Christ. That's where we're going. But he's preparing every individual right here so the body is one. Because when the body's fractured, he can't move. We have not seen anything yet. And I've seen miracles on top of miracles. And we haven't seen nothing yet what God's about to do. Amen. God's ready to move on this earth. And he needs you. He needs you. He needs you. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. Mary Wallpaper. What do they call it? Joe Blow from Mexico. Whatever. He's using everybody. He wants to use everybody. But you know what? He wants unity in the spirit and accountability so he can move through us. Otherwise, we become a low, uh, what do they call it? Rogue. We go rogue. Because God's ready to move. Just like Samson, anointed and appointed. It doesn't protect you from deception. But the time you spend now with the Holy Spirit, he'll protect you from deception. And please listen to me. This world's all about feeling. We want to feel good. We want to, we want, we want, anyway, stop talking. I don't want to feel good. I want to know by faith that I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. Feelings can come and go, but faith remains. Knowing who Christ in me, the hope of glory, See, it's time to look in the mirror and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, the time that I'm anointed by the Holy Spirit. You are empowered. What did we say when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? You receive power. Can we stand? You're going to receive power. Many of you called, the few are chosen. God calls everyone, but you do the choosing. See, the things of this world are temporary, but everything God gives you is eternal. See, today is the day that you understand that the anointing is for you.
It's not limited to a person or to a pedigree of, of people or a generation of people. It's as much as you want. The Bible says it's according to your faith. It's according to your faith. See, Christ has done all he could do. Went to the cross and gave us the Holy Spirit. Our job is to receive it and to walk in it by faith. That's our job. I was so much more wanted to teach about the anointing, but I believe God hasn't released me to share this. But there's so many things I want to share in the supernatural because there's some things that God's going to start doing in people's lives. And, and there's a fear factor of, there's a fear, I don't know, is that God or is that the Holy Spirit? And, and we limit God because of our fear. But God says, God never gave you a spirit of fear. Love, power, and a sound mind. It's so to understand. See, in the physical sense, we can't comprehend the move of the spirit. I remember years ago when I was, I was playing footy and going to physios, they used to have this little machine and it was like electro, electros or electricity. And let's say you had a bad knee, they'd put it on there and they'd turn up, and it was like a dial and, and electricity would go and give these I don't know, pulses of electricity on the area that needed treated. And then as you got familiar and, and used to it, you could turn up the dial and you keep turning it up as you get, you know. And I remember the dial went from 1 to 15 or something and when you first started, oh, I can't handle this because it's a lot of power, electricity. But then as you get, start to find familiarity with it, you start to turn it up a bit more, turn it up a bit more, turn it up a bit more. Then the next visit, you know, and you can get used to the, what's well, a lot like that of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes upon you and we're not sure about it. But when we keep coming into his presence, we start to get familiar, we start to get used to it. So our flesh can understand what's going on, but he's not coming upon your flesh, he's coming upon your spirit. It's like electricity and touching electricity. I've seen people get healed just by the power of God, just a wave of the Holy Spirit moving in a church. Someone gets knocked over, gets up, and they're totally healed. That's the best way to do it because it's not about man, it's about God. It's understanding how he flows through us. And the anointing will come. The anointing wants to come. The anointing is within you and wants to come upon you. But he's looking for a heart of people that will purge themselves of this world so he can flow freely. You know, we're a conduit. We're a conduit to the Holy Spirit. You know that? And the flow of the Holy Spirit is how much we're willing to die to ourselves so He can flow through us. I was going to share a couple more stories about my growing up in the Lord and being taught by the anointing. But I'll do that for another day. But I want to share some things with you. Be prepared to allow God to move on your life. Because God's preparing this body for a bigger cause. God's preparing this body for a move of the Spirit. Because if we don't have the anointing, we have nothing. I'm telling you now. You can preach the cows come home. You can share the word of God to the cows come home. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that when they read the law of Moses, they put a veil on their eyes. It's the word of God, and yet they've got a veil on their eyes. They can't understand it. Because there's no anointing with it. Because that's old. It's passed away. Behold, all things become new. Christ is doing a new thing. Amen. His Spirit is moving. Amen. But you've got to be prepared to let go of some things. Be prepared to purge yourself from some things. Amen? See, this is the biggest mistake in the body of Christ. We're under grace. We have the Holy Spirit. He's going to do all the work for us. I'm sorry, he's not. The Holy Spirit will help you, empower you, teach you, but he won't do it for you. The Bible says you walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says you build yourself up on your most holy faith. The Bible says you repent. The Bible says you give, you receive. It's up to you. You have salvation. And if you don't know Jesus, you can know Jesus. Not the religious Jesus, but the truth of the living God Jesus. That he sent his only son 
and died for us to send us the Holy Spirit. That's the true Jesus. That's the one that lower, the lover of our soul. And the Holy Spirit wants to move. He just wants to move. And there's a, there's a revelation I got many years ago that he wants to he wants to meet with us more than we want to meet with him. He wants to empower us more than we want him to empower us. He wants to come upon us more than we want him to come upon us. Did you, did you know that? Religion will tell you we're striving to get to him, but he actually wants, he needs your permission. Yes, God can sovereignly do what he wants. But if you block him by your mindset, by your disobedience, doesn't love you any less, God wants to move. See, it's very sad for me, 20 years in the Lord, and I speak to people and I say, they've never seen the move of God in 20 years. They've never they've been in a church 30 years, never seen the Holy Spirit move once in their life. Never seen a... a, a I, I think that's very sad. I think that's very sad. I think the blocking of the Holy Spirit, you have nothing. You have religion, I'm sorry. But when the Holy Spirit moves, and it's not what he's doing and how he's doing it, it's about receiving the blessing he's got for you in your spirit. Oh, this guy falls, this guy cries. doesn't matter how it's done. It's done, he does it his way. Does that make sense? Because we have a movement. They started the laughing movement, and then everyone wants to laugh. And they started the crying movement. Everyone wants to cry, and they started the shaking movement. And if, that was, if that's what God does in your life, that doesn't mean you have to do it. We're just like a bunch of sheep that like to copy each other. That's not authentic. We know what's authentic? Integrity, character, and allowing the Holy Spirit to move on you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. He empowers you to get you over your sin, to bring Christ in you, the hope of glory, and to redeem you from everything else and to lift you up and exalt you in front of the throne of God. Don't quench the fire of the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the fire of the Holy Spirit. If it was a lot of fire now, how would you keep it going? You can throw fuel on it. All that does is give a, a big woof of a flame, and then it burns out that set. That's what we want. We want the big woof. But the Bible says that keep the fire burning. Is that you keep adding fuel? What's that? Timber, wood. You know what? Let him purge you and let him flow through you. Don't look for the magic event. Look for the heart of God, what he's doing in your life. See, the greatest way to his heart is obedience. When we're obedient, we open the door of our hearts to receive everything he has for us. And he starts with love. What did he say? What did Jesus say? The Spirit of the Lord has appointed to me and anointed me to what? Preach the good news to the poor. He's not talking about poor people. He's talking about poor in spirit. He's come to give us good news. Holy Spirit only brings what he hears from the throne. It's good news. Everyone say good news. And he wants to empower you. He wants to, he actually wants to be in your presence. You know what? Every problem you've ever got, if you get into his presence, I'm telling you, he'll tell you a way out. He'll either remove it or show you a way out. Don't be scared to go into his presence. And I'm feeling in my spirit now, I've just been, it's just been hitting my heart. Too many people don't understand the move of the spirit and they're scared of the move of the spirit. And if that's you, I want to pray for you tonight.
we're going to remove that fear factor, that the lie of the enemy. Because the Bible says that there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. There's no fear in love. If you don't understand the love of God, you'll be in fear. But when you understand, you can come. because no fear in love. But perfect love. He's shown us his perfect love by sending his son. That casts out any fear to go to him. Where, where should you go when you've fallen? Where should you go when you're in trouble? Where should you go when you've messed up? Straight to the throne. And we have that privilege now because of the blood. The Bible says we can enter his throne through because of the blood of Jesus. The Old Testament saints couldn't do that. We can because of the blood of Jesus. First place I go when I mess up is straight on my knees and straight to the throne. He's the only one that's going to clean me up. You, get, you isolate yourself to your own destruction. It's, hey, you isolate yourself to your own destruction. Not isolate myself to have a bad time. No, you'll be destroyed. Don't isolate yourself. Come into his presence. The beauty, you can come anytime into his presence. Because he loves you. He loves you. He's got an amazing plan for your life. He's got an amazing future for your kids. Don't go by what you see out there. He wants a body to rise up. You know who the answer to this world is? You know all the, all the problems out there? It's not the politicians. It's not the government. It's the church. We are the answer. If the church would rise up, we'd answer to all their problems. Because it's going to be by his anointing. Amen? Hallelujah. Finish off with a story in Mexico. A village. It's just a, wasn't it, a farming village. They had more jails than churches. They had more jails in this little village than shops because they were hooked out on drugs and, and, and alcohol. And God sovereignly moved. A man preached there and God moved on that village. And this is the same village that would have festivals for the dead and, and you know, those Mex Mexican um, traditions where they walk around with the dead and dress up like the dead. And, and this, this village got absolutely radically reformed by the Holy Spirit. And they all gave their life to Jesus. They shut all the jails down and got rid of all the police because there was no need for them anymore. God moved sovereignly on this village by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then they started, they couldn't understand. Trucks were coming in and out because they, they grew watermelons and they grew different crops. They had three times the amount of crop harvest than they ever normally would. No one could understand how they would get three times the harvest because the curse was broken because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Every other village came, what are you using? What fertilizer? What are you doing different? He goes, it's God. Ah, God. The next village was still worshipping Satan and these guys are on power, fire of the Holy Spirit. A whole village got changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's called reformation. That's called restoration. That's what we need to believe for in this city. See, he wants to... Re see, but if we still got our problems and we're still struggling in our world, how is God going to move through us to touch this dying world out there? I'm not denying you've got issues and that's where there's a place for that. That's why we come together. But listen to me. Don't stay there. Let the Holy Spirit move in. Don't reject the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Samson was anointed and appointed and he lost it because he put his lap in the world. Don't trust this world system. There's nothing good about it. It will eat you up and spit you back out. But if you trust in him, he'll never put you to shame. That village, that Mexican village, they were blessed financially, 
They didn't have to give to get blessed. Guess what they did? They just got blessed because the curse was broken. They were blessed because they gave Christ the authority. And then they spent all their time interceding for every other village to start revival. That's what God wants. The heart of people for the next generation. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, let your wind flow. The breath of your, of your spirit. Touch my brothers and sisters now. The ones that are scared a bit to be touched. Father, you would soften their hearts. That there's no, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts that all fear. I thank you, Father, for your wonderful grace and mercy. I thank you, Father, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Without your anointing, we have nothing. Thank you, Father, that you never leave us nor forsake us. love flow, Father. The Father's love. Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. See the Holy Spirit moving in this room right now. He's touching people's hearts right now.